Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. And one of our truly great contributors who gives us so much information on both fishing and hunting, Mr. Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm getting in this habit of being nice to you that I'm having trouble breaking. It's almost like an addiction, I think. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, we're going to almost we could be pushing on like a year and a half right now. That's pretty solid. Yeah, I got to be careful. I got to get mean again. I don't know what something something has mellowed me. I think. Hey, a lot right. to talk about. A lot to talk about. This weather, obviously, the fishing is going to be changing and getting different. But it's going to be taking off. There's going to be more opportunities. And of course, you know, people are wondering. I know you're going to talk some turkey hunting a little later in the segment. People are wondering why we're talking so much turkey hunting today. Well, part of that is because it's not a very good day to be out there. You're better off waiting. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but there's no doubt, Terry, everything is happening. I mean, our our walleyes are going crazy. You know, we have uh, so many fish in post-spawn now. I don't want to say we're 100% done with the spawn, but your main fisheries, your Pueblo, Cherry Creek, Chatfield, your Boyd, those type fisheries uh, are seeing probably upwards of that 70 80% uh, of the spawn done. Obviously, there's a lot of males still kind of hanging around, but... Generally speaking, we have a lot of post-spawn fish, which opens a lot of opportunities. So walleye is going very strong. We're seeing the bass uh, on the sunnier days moving up shallow. And if you look at the 10-day forecast, obviously you see some warm weather. So I'm really anticipating both largemouth and smallmouth kind of sliding in and kind of playing in some of that shallower water. So I think that's going to be a really big kickoff this week. Obviously, it's opener for turkey. Uh, we are on the last couple days of our ice for our big lake trout, our big pike. So there is so much happening. It's crazy. And then kind of looking at the forecast, we're also putting a lot of anticipation into the future. Like you said, I think Turkey's good now, but it's only going to get better after this warm week. And then same type of thing. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of melt uh, this week. So I think you're going to see a major hit on the remaining ice in the mountains. Um, you know, so that's going to be kind of a big change. You're going to see an influx of water coming into the front range. So a lot to do and a lot of changes for sure. Well, you know, and that's one thing on spring. We talk a lot about the spring being a, a prime time to catch some big fish. They're shallow and, and just fishing in general. Also, it can be a time when the fishing can just be terrible for a few hours or even a few days. And you have to have some patience because it can, uh, if you're, especially if you're not out on the lakes tracking what's going on with the fish. But it's a time when you can go out to a lake with a game plan, but you have to be willing to adapt pretty quickly, don't you? Oh, 100%, Terry. I think so many anglers, we love the stability and we love the pass. So, you know, one of the biggest, I think, crunches of, of what an average angler does is they always look at what they did last year, you know. So, oh, last year this time we were doing this, and that's where they start. And it's never a bad place to start, but you have to be willing to change from it. And this time of year, I've even talked to anglers and say, oh, you know, last week or three days ago, I went out and this is how I caught them. And, you know, they, they really stick to it. When this time of year, things can change. I mean, you could have a, a major wind direction change and it can move our fish and move warm water and totally change things. So, uh, you know, as we have fish in and out of spawn, and that's pretty much all the fish, you know, our pike, 
uh, are in spawn mode. And, you know, the very last few pre-spawn fish are moving up to do their spawn. So those fish are moving and changing daily. Our walleye are coming out of spawn, so that's changing daily. Our bass are starting to get into pre-spawn, so those bites are changing daily. So everything is changing. Trust your electronics. Try to have a little anticipation of what you think the fish are doing. So instead of just going out and, hey, we're going to target walleyes, we don't know where, when, why, try to go out there and say, hey, what would you know, a, a pre-spawn fish do? What would a spawn fish do? What would a post-spawn fish do? And if you ask yourself those questions and kind of line yourself up in the right ideas and, you know, the right tackle, hey, it's a post-spawn fish, it's low on energy, really let's cater to that fish. Those type of little thought processes before you go out are going to carry you a long ways this time of year. Well, I think one of the things that we talk a lot about presentations and presentation is important, but if spring is more, like you said, a lot of times in summer you get a little more stability of location. But the best presentation in the world is no good unless it's in front of a fish. <laughs> and their location does change. Dial back your, you know, use good presentations and change and kind of go with what the fish want. But really put your effort, like you said, into location first. I think so. If, if a lot of anglers just, number one, find the fish and then cater to them and put it in front of them, you're going to have better results. And I, I talked to a lot of anglers about this this week. You know, we're running line counters. I'm doing a lot of trolling for walleyes right now. Um, they're very castable. You can catch them from shore, catch them from the boat. But when we're trolling, I really am getting on my anglers about our set, right? So we're trolling. We're using planer boards. We're using line counter reels. Everything is a mathematical equation to get the bait down to where the fish are at. And we're talking about a stick bait that has very little dive to how much line is out. So let's just say we have a bait that on average is a foot down for every 10 feet out. I'll have anglers that I'll say, hey, set this bait at, you know, 50 feet back type type number. And they'll go to that distance and they'll grab the line to put their planer board on and they'll pull the line down to them and the count will be off by three feet and I make them fix it, and people look at me like I'm crazy. But this time of year, an inch or two in the water column can make a difference. You know, I am, I'm pretty open on the colors. People are like, what color is working? I'm like, man, if you could put that bait at the right speed and put it, you know, three inches above where they're sitting in that water column, they'll hit a ton of different colors. You know, it's more, in my opinion, we talk about this all the time, but find the fish, put that bait in the right zone, and they're going to hit a wide range of baits and colors and sizes, but but that zone is most important. So find the fish, you know, go out there and chase the warmer water, find the bait fish, find where your fish are at, cater to those fish, put the bait right in front of them. Uh, and if you make it easy on them to, to eat, they're going to eat this time of year. So let's go through what what's the difference right now between Chatfield, Cherry Creek, Cherry Creek, and maybe even Pueblo. Absolutely. So I, all those fishers are going to have post-spawn fish. So I encourage everybody, go find the post-spawners. You know, a lot of guys are wanting to fish the dam faces, and there's a lot of, of fish. There's a lot of males still there. Um, but those post-spawn fish is where you're going to have the opportunity to get some really big fish. Those are the fish that are actively eating. So we are definitely chasing some water temperature. So if you can find warmer water in any three of those reservoirs, you're going to find more active food source, whether that's bug life, whether that's a minnow base or shad bait. 
uh, that warmer water is going to draw fish. It's going to draw the walleye. So, you know, cruising around, finding mud flats, finding warm water is probably the first step, I think, to finding the most active fish out there. So that's going to be my first step. And then we're doing so good on all of our stick bait presentations. So things like Berkeley Hit Stick, you know, Smithwood Rattling Rogues, Rapala Husky Jerks, all of those type presentations, which is a minnow bait, whether it's a, a floating you know, hit stick or a, you know, suspending rogue or husky, uh, whatever these presentations are, you know, as long as you can hold it in front of the fish, you're going to catch those fish. So slow retrieves, long slender stick baits, that's been our, our best technique. On the really hot days, if you can find some fish that have been really spawned out for a while, uh, we're starting to see some fish even on structure. So at Chatfield this week, I had uh, a couple days where I had some nice bright sun. Temperatures weren't necessarily hot, but I had fish that had been spawned out for three, four weeks, and we started seeing these fish kind of on the beginning stages of their summer pattern. I don't think they're going to hold there. It's not a pattern that's going to stay day to day. But on some days, you know, glassy conditions, we're starting to see some fish even sitting on structure. That's where that jig bite's going to be presentable. But most of our fish, I would say, are still in that kind of suspended range. So I'm fishing in probably you know, eight to 12 feet of water, warm water, muddy areas, and I'm trolling or casting those stick baits, uh, very slow speeds. You know, we're trolling at 1.2, 1.3 on our cast. We're retrieving extremely slow, uh, and that's been the technique that we're catching so many walleyes on it and some really big fish right now. Has the difference in the bait presence between Cherry Creek and Chatfield been a major difference? It hasn't, Terry. You know, so right now, and this is kind of a, a really in-depth, it could be an hour-long conversation, but Cherry Creek's water got low. So we're down roughly five vertical feet. It's coming up right now. But that five vertical feet allowed the water temperature in the basin to drop about three-quarters or one full degree. When we dropped that one degree, which is pretty significant when you're down there 15, 20 feet, uh, that lower water through the course of the winter cooled off the core of the water just a hair, uh, and it pushed that bug life into the mud a little deeper than normal. So that traditional lead core bite at Cherry Creek that we all love uh, has not been a hot bite yet. Uh, you know, it opened up last Saturday. Everybody was out there, tons of boats, everybody pulling lead core, and it was an absolute grind for fish. It is slowly starting to pick up, but we really need this week of warm temperatures to warm that water one, two degrees in that deeper depth, and that's going to pull that bug life right to the surface of the mud to where they're just down about a quarter of an inch, that's when those walleyes will start using their lateral line. They'll start doing a technique called puffing, and they're really going to activate on the bloodworms, on the midges, um, and that's when that bite's going to take off. So since that bite has been a little slower, we're seeing a lot of these fish activating on shad. So they are, uh, you know, stacked pretty heavy on the south sides of the reservoir. You get the right wind, they're stacked over on the hump in front of the marina, it's, or the hump in front of the marina and the hump in front of the tower, because that's really shallow water right now with that lower water. Those areas are all warming up quickly. The fish are stacking, and those stick baits are working really well. So I would say all three of those baits are doing very well at both, you know, Chatfield, Trey Creek, and really, honestly, Pueblo. You know, Pueblo is things like Bogs Flat, that shallow mud that's hot. And like always, colder water almost always brings on brighter colors. As the water warms, we move into more natural colors. But your fire tigers and chartreuses, oranges, pinks uh, are working really well at Chatfield. They're working really well at Cherry Creek. Uh, and they're doing pretty decent at Pueblo. Pueblo uh, right now is still doing a little bit, you know, good or better, I should say, on a little bit more natural colors, but Chatfield, Cherry Creek, those brighter colors are definitely hot. I've heard they've shut the flow out of Pueblo down. Is the water coming up there? 
I mean, it, it is coming up, but Terry, we got to face it. That's such a big body of water. You know, you cut down the flow at Chatfield Cherry Creek, it is noticeable climbing pretty quick. Uh, Pueblo does not climb as quick, but the water level, I would not say, is is bad or even that low at Pueblo compared to what it could be. Uh, but the water is coming up. And I think this week uh, with the temperatures that we're seeing, we're going to see our first hint of the lower runoff. You know, there's, there's kind of two stages of runoff. Obviously, all your big major continental divide snow, uh, by no means is it that warm up there to where that's not going to show a lot of signs of melting quite yet. Uh, but all the lower elevations are going to get some good snow melt. So I think we're going to see uh, a pretty drastic increase in flow this week. So I do think you'll see the Pueblo go up. I, I think you're going to see a lot of flow coming into Chatfields and Cherry Creek. Uh, so I think that's going to be kind of a good thing. Obviously, it's going to you know, deliver a lot of oxygen, maybe a little dirty water which can always be a good thing for the walleye fishing uh so i think you're gonna see a lot of that i also see you're gonna think you're gonna see that flow break up some of the remaining ice or or really get some of the ice started to to break up and melt and a lot of our mountain fisheries a couple minutes left let's go back to turkey hunting i a lot of guys who are avid hunters aren't out this weekend Uh, if you drew a rio tag out east you probably could be out there but the miriams really are going to follow that snow line they're still in their winter flocks you anticipate it just getting better and better? I do, Terry, and I think this happens every turkey season. I mean, I went out this week, and I saw more turkey hunters scouting than I do see for elk and deer. It, it, it's, I think it's incredible. I think it's really neat to see how many outdoorsmen are, are getting out to turkey hunt. It is a sport that has absolutely blown up. And I see people put a lot more emphasis on turkeys than I do big game, which uh, kind of shocks me. But regardless, I think it's really neat. So I see so many hunters out there getting ready. Uh, I am seeing birds, you know, strutting around and gobbling, which is cool. Um, but with that said, I think turkey hunters are also one of the fastest to give up. If you look at the stats, how many turkey hunters get out on opening weekend and the second weekend um, and then just fall off, you know, and knowing that this the turkey season goes you know, well into May and, you know, through the course of that, you have all spring to hunt them. And I think so many hunters get out, hunt it hard, burn up their days, burn up their time, you know, spend the, the money they have set aside for turkey hunting. Um, and then they lose it by the time it really gets good. So a warm weather drastically helps. Uh, getting the birds, you know, separate up into smaller groups definitely helps. You know, and later on, the I think the biggest trick is, again, once you get hens laying down on their nests and eggs, it eliminates some birds, and those toms really go on the search for, for remaining females. And I think that's a major step. So I don't blame anybody for hunting right now. If, if you have the time, get out and do it. But don't if, if you're limited on time, you only have one or two weekends to dedicate, I would definitely dedicate those weekends later on. It looks like we're going to have rain next weekend. So I would say, honestly, two weekends from now, towards the end of April, is really when that, that turkey hunt's going to get really kind of fired up. So uh, I think the, the couple things that I would suggest, number one, don't bring yourself out now. Not saying don't go, but but don't hit it as hard. Don't get fried on it to where you save some of your time, your energy uh, for later on in the season. Also, don't go too crazy with the calls. These birds can get so educated so quickly um, if things are not happening. Uh, don't go out there and, and get too fired up. Don't educate the birds on the first weekend with so much calling, so much decoy use. You know, go out, use it more as a scouting trip. If you get into an active bird, uh, hunt that bird, but don't push things too hard. And then I think my third step, I think Colorado turkey hunters need to put way more kind of concepts into finding active roosts. Find where the birds are instead of just 
walking around and calling and kind of hoping, uh, put some education into it. Find where the birds are. You know, make that flawless approach at first light. So go find them in the evening or put them in their roost in the evening. You know, get to where you're in that path where once they jump out of the roost in the morning, they're walking towards you. That it's just, All you're trying to do is just coax them your way instead of really draw them your way from a long distance. Do all those little things, and I think it will drastically increase the success of the average turkey hunter here in Colorado. All right, my friend, we were out of time. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they do it? Absolutely, Terry. You know, you can always go to our Facebook page, Tightline Outdoors, uh, on, and the website, tightlineoutdoors.com. We're posting a lot of reports right now. We're posting a lot of fishing tips. So if you're after walleye, you want any of those type tips, go to our Facebook page. We're posting a ton of videos. All the guides are out. Uh, so we're going to have some bass stuff from Matt this week. We have Dustin posting walleye. I'm posting walleye. Josh is posting walleye. So a lot of concepts out there. Go to all those pages. We'd love to educate you. Uh, and can't wait. And I think next week we're going to have a lot of information on the current conditions and what's been changing uh, over the course of this really nice warm weather week. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zielinski, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, folks from Jax are going to join us, and we're going to talk some archery and the availability of ammunition for shotgunning. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Been a million places and I've known a million faces, but I've Outdoors. That bumper coming in is from uh, Wickstrom and Dover's Loneliness and Love EP. That's called Loneliness. It's uh, one of my favorite songs. I wrote that a while ago. Anyway, let's uh, before we go to the phones, real quick, Bob, uh, one of our listeners, just texted in because we had a question on the Crystal River. He said I, he just returned from Carbondale. The Crystal River is muddy and there's lots of low snow. And he said, "In the Colorado River is running pure cho- pure chocolate." Hey, Bob, thanks for that update. I hope that answers our previous uh, listener's question. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Jack's Outdoor Gear in Fort Collins is Gideon Lockhart. Good morning, Gideon. Good morning, Terry. How you doing? You know, I'm doing great. You guys have a fantastic archery event coming up. In fact, it started already, but there's still time for people to get in. And that's Jack's Triple Crown 3D event. Tell me about it. Yeah, Terry. So each year uh, in the springtime pretty much is when we first kick off the, the first leg of the Jack's Triple Crown. And it's just a 3D event pretty much open to, you know, anybody in the public. Um, we have people coming from all over Colorado and Wyoming and Nebraska, pretty much everywhere to, to join in this shoot. Um, it's a really great time to get outside, start enjoying the weather and enjoy, love what you do, what you do. So I, um, I'm a big believer in 3d practice because I think it simulates hunting so much better. You know, go to a static regular target and you put it in the circle. That's fine. But when you're 3D and you're in different positions, you see the entry of the arrow, what is it going to really do if it hits uh, an animal? I think it's just tremendous. But you said it's open to everybody. You actually have several classifications people can compete in, right? Yeah, we do, Terry. So we have the uh, Pro K50 class, which is going to be for your Pro Elite guys. Um, We have just an open class, which pretty much, you know, any bow set up. Uh, scope stabilizers, pretty much anything. Um, also have a men's bow hunter elite class, uh, men's bow hunter class, women's bow hunter class. Um, traditional for both, you know, men and women, and then as well as the youth class as well, Terry. 
And how much does it cost to take part? Uh, so for the pro classes, uh, you're looking at 50 bucks for those guys. So the pro K 50 and then the elite bow hunters are 50 and then everybody else is 25, Terry. And then youth is 15. And that also includes our lunch. Uh, yeah, you give them lunch for that. I mean, it's a lot of places you can't buy lunch for that amount. Um, that's, that's pretty great. Now, it, there's an overall prize and there's the, the prizes for each of the three events. The first event was already in March. There's two events coming up, and in fact, if to win the overall thing, you have to take your best two out of the three, so there's still a, a great chance to win, and they use this ASA scoring. Tell us how that works. Yeah, Terry, so the next event is on uh, April 22nd, and then the third leg of it is on May 20th. Um, so how IBO scoring works is you're using the IBO scoring as the 12 ring, um, and then you go out from 10, 8, 5, and 0 from there on a normal 3D target. Um, so we do use that center ring as the punch. That's your 12 ring um, and so on and so forth, getting out to, you know, 5. So hopefully we don't have hit too many of those guys. All right. So now in addition to this going on, there's prizes at each event. So if I show up and just shoot one of them, I still have a chance to win prizes, right? Yes, absolutely. We have uh, gift cards available, different archery gear, things like that. And then for the overall, uh, you know, best two out of three, we have custom buckles made for the, the Jack's Triple Crown. And, you know, first through third place will win that in each class. As long as there's enough shooters to compete in each class, we'll offer a, a buckle in each one of those classes. And it's just a lot of fun to get out and see people and work on your own game and get better. And before we move on, I know we got a couple other things we want to cover. Jack's also at Fort Collins, you have a full-service bow shop featuring Matthew's bows, right? Yes, sir, we do, Terry. Pretty much do uh, any kind of work, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be just a Matthew's. Um, we'll work on any bow. Um, we also make custom strings in-house and as well as the uh, indoor 20-yard uh, course and range, so... And that's open to the public anytime we are open here at Jack's. The range is open. If people want more information about the uh, Triple Crown, where do they get that? Uh, they can go right on our uh, Jack's website, and it's under the link of events down there, and then it will have all the information posted as well as we have a bunch of different flyers around. So we have some posted at some other, you know, big places, shields, sportsmen, things like that of our flyers. Um, but, yeah, definitely out there. Sounds like a great, great event. Now, you have somebody with you today, I believe, from the hunting department. Is Holden there? Yeah, Terry, I'm right here. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, Holden. Uh, I wanted to talk to you real quick. We've been talking some turkey hunting. And first of all and foremost, I know your inventory is way up. We'll talk about that in a second. But what about a turkey gun and chokes? Do you have inventory on those? Absolutely, we do. We have anything from a pump-action 870 Super Mag all the way to a semi-automatic 20-gauge, 410, 12-gauge, whatever your need may be. We got you covered there. We have turkey decoys, shells, just about anything to get you out in the field. And, and you know, and that's been hasn't been the case. Now, you were telling me also when we talked earlier that you've got enough ammo where you can actually start selling shotgun ammo by the case again? Absolutely, and especially with 12-gauge. I've got enough of it right now where we're selling it by the case. You know, if you want to get out and poke at some clays, we have 12-gauge 
skeet loads for about $100 a case, which is hard to find these days. Well, that's awesome. And you know, I mean, is there every indication this is going to keep up? It sure looks that way, especially with some of the more common gauges, uh, 12 and 20. Absolutely. Look, things are looking up for the ammo world, and it looks like the prices are coming down, which makes all of us happy to get out in the field and get some sunshine and some good times. Well, I think, you know, if somebody's looking to go turkey hunting, um, today was the opening day, but you didn't miss anything. It's going to be better in about two, three weeks. You know, if you buy an over-the-counter license, come to Jack's. Get a, if you haven't got a gun, get a gun or get a choke maybe, but then buy a few decoys and calls and get out there and give it a try. But so many people love to practice their shotgunning during the summer before Upland game starts, or maybe clays is why they shoot. And ammunition has been a kind of a, a bugaboo for the last couple of years. So to hear that they can get their practice ammo in there and just have a good time sounds really great. Is that true at all the Jack store, Holden? Absolutely, yep. All of our Jack's locations are stocked up well on ammo and turkey gear. Like you said, anything from variety of decoys to chokes to calls. All right, my friends, thank you for joining us today. Great information, great to hear. Great event going on, and great to hear there's great inventory. Holden, Gideon, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, Terry. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Terry. You bet. You bet. Those are the guys from Jack's Outdoors. Always great guys to have on. If you haven't been in at a Jack store, you need to stop by one. Hey, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to talk to Chad LaChance about what may be our favorite springtime fish and might not be walleyes. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, the 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us, one of our favorite and long-term contributors from Fishful Thinker, Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry. Happy Easter weekend. Hey, happy Easter weekend to you. And I don't know if you heard me closing out the last segment, but spring is here. The ice is going away. The lakes are warming up. And both you and I change uh, chase multiple species of fish we enjoy so many different types of fishing but i think if we were asked if we could only fish one species or one class of fish it'd be hard for us not to pick bass well yeah and that goes for a whole bunch of america you know when it comes to freshwater um the bass whether it be largemouth or smallmouth bass top the list by a large margin in terms of angler participation um, in Colorado, smallmouth bass is the number two most requested fish or number three, depending on the year, somewhere right there with trout and walleye. So, you know, and the reason I want to talk about it right now is this is probably my favorite time of year to catch them because uh, this is when we catch our biggest ones. And it's no secret up and down the front range that a lot of this, particularly the smallmouth bass, which is really kind of where I'm going to focus on here, uh, they don't necessarily get huge in our area, but the ones that the biggest ones in any system, in my experience that are, that are going to get caught are going to get caught right now uh, with the possible exception of bed fishing, which I'm not a fan of. Uh, these fish right now are the heaviest and biggest they're going to get. They haven't had a lot of fishing pressure over the course of the winter. Uh, water's starting to warm up. In some cases, the water's rising as well. And that just makes for some, some big, thick smallmouth. Uh, but the big thing to keep in mind is that doesn't mean they're easy to catch. It just means they're available to you. Uh, not necessarily the time of year to go out and get a bajillion bites, but an excellent time of year to catch some of the biggest ones you've seen. Yeah, I think what happens a lot this time of the year, especially, 
And it's not that presentation isn't important, but people are always going to say, what are you catching on them? What's the presentation? The key, I think, spring more than almost any time of the year is that their location can change so quickly in spring. It's really starting out by finding the fish, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, 100%. And and I was going to go into that next because the other thing that's interesting about this time of year is you can put a boat in the water. For instance, let's just use horse youth as an example because that's where I live. Horse youth reservoir, lots of smallmouth bass here, lots of deep water, also lots of shallow water. Uh, you can go out on the main lake and you can catch 20 smallmouth in short order, and they're all going to be somewhere between 10 and maybe 15 inches, very, very average fish, the fat part of the gene pool. Uh, lots of them, and you can catch them 20, 30, or 40 feet deep right now. Just row them one after the other. If you've got decent electronics and you get on top of the fish, focus on your presentation, something like a, you know, a bladed jig uh, or a gliding jig, I should say, or a jig and spoon or you know something like that. You can still almost winter-style fishing. You can do that, but you can catch the biggest fish in the system by getting away from that and getting up on the bank somewhere where they're going to show up and take advantage of the spring conditions. And I'm the, of the opinion that the first fish that make the, the moves on any given change, whether it be coming into spawn, going back out, you know, for the summer, coming into the winter haunts, whatever it might be, it's the biggest, most mature fish that do it first. And what we're seeing here, if you get out on the main lake and you fish deep, you catch lots of average fish. But if you get up shallow, you catch maybe a quarter of the fish, but they're all bigger. And so it's just a matter of fishing where they are, as you pointed out. And you have to have an open mind, especially with the rising water and the changing conditions. Because what I'm seeing here is there's shallow fish right on the, in the mud. I mean, in the mud, but not until late in the day. And I think they're chasing that warm water up in there. Uh, when the sun gets out and gets beaten on the shallow flat banks, they'll follow the ditches up and, uh, and you can catch some big ones. But the one thing you do, I can't get bit on this time of year with any consistency is fishing like the standard 45 degree banks that people fish all summer. You either need to be real deep or you need to be real shallow. And the deeper fish are more reliable. The shallow fish means you're maybe going to burn a bunch more trolling motor. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you want to catch a really big one, that's what you need to do. Now, as far as the presentation, and I talked about location being so important, but presentation is always important, of course. Is what's dictating your presentation this time of the year? Is it the water temperature, the location of the fish, a combination? What, or do you have a few favorites that are just your go-to? I definitely have a few favorites, but it is the fish location that's a big part of it because, as I just alluded to, there's some fish that are very shallow. So my answer would be right now would be, oh, well, a suspending jerkbait's a great call or maybe a very erratic crankbait, something like a really old wigglewort or a Berkeley wild thing or, a, you know, a, a rock hound, something that really hunts really crazy uh, can be an excellent bait. Uh, but the fish that I'm talking about, the big ones that I've been seeing are it's so shallow that you almost can't even use any of that. You almost just need to drag something or, you know, on the bottom like a tube jig because we're talking about water that's six inches to maybe two feet deep and you can't fish a lot of baits in that. Uh, another possibility would be really good right now, and the, the one that I've connected with the best has been that Berkeley hit stick, which is a floating jerkbait. And I'm just twitching it along, kind of like I learned as a kid in Florida with the old school floating rapala for, for cold water bass down there because the fish are in shallow water. You just twitch that bait along just under the surface and let it pop back up and twitch it under the surface, maybe move it a few feet, and then let it pop back up. And again, they're in real shallow. And ironically, there's a bunch of trout that have been showing up on those shallow flat banks as well. 
And I won't be, wouldn't be too awful surprised to find out that Smalley's are eating some of those stalker trout up on the banks as well. Yeah, I would think when you're throwing like a, a, whether it's a floating jerk bait or a suspending one this time of the year, and there's any kind of bait or food available, uh, you're going to catch multiple species. And horse tooth is a great example of that. They've been stocking it again with trout over the last few years, and you're going to get a few bites. And are you seeing walleyes too, or just bass and trout? On the flat banks, I'm not. The only walleyes I'm seeing at all, and I have not been been targeting them a whole lot to be honest with you terry but the guys that i know are targeting them are fishing them in several different areas around around the lake um i want to point out the inlet is closed to fishing there's been guys over there in fact uh there's been some poachers over there that have been an issue parks and wildlife has been uh been alerted to that and they've been watching over there now because there are some walleyes over in the inlet trying to spawn but there's also a bunch of walleyes on several of the dams and I know for sure that there's some walleyes on the big rock on the east side of South Bay. So at the end of the day, the walleyes are spread out. I think they're in every phase of the spawn right now. I think we've got some post-spawners and some pre-spawners in here. I know down at like uh, Pueblo, they're mostly done, if not completely done. Uh, same with Chatfield and Trade Creek. So the walleyes haven't been something I've been focused on a whole bunch. I've been more focused on the bass and trout up shallow. But the, some of the trout that showing up are big. Some of them are, are 8 inches. Uh, some of them are 8 pounds. So it just depends on where you connect with one. But like you said, that e- either one, either dragging a tube jig or twitching that, that uh, hit stick along, like a number 9 hit stick, either one of those will catch you, either of those species. But the one thing I'll throw out, if guys are going to go looking for shallow, the shallow smallmouth, you probably need some sunlight. Uh, it, that seems to be the one key this time of year. If they're going to get up on flat banks anywhere, from Trinidad to Gray Rocks in Wyoming, they're going to need a little bit of sun. If you get turbulent weather uh, or a little bit of a cooling trend, I would probably go back to targeting deeper fish, uh, get off the banks a little bit, and almost treat them like uh, like late fall fish. And uh, and you can catch lots of them that way. That's all about using your graphs and go there. But if you get a warm, stable, sunny day, there's going to definitely be some fish cruising some banks. And I'll throw out here. Uh, the biggest smallmouth I've ever personally seen in pushing 30 years of fishing at Horsetooth uh, was caught on the middle of April in about six inches of water. So uh, that's that's the kind of fish we're looking for is, is the big anomalies that get up and run around and, and uh, do some hunting in the spring. Now, we used to chase, uh, and I'm sure this is, you've, you've talked about temperature. We used to chase the warm water when I was up in Minnesota a lot, especially up towards the Canadian lakes. If the temperature was dropping even a degree or two, we pulled off that spot and we'd look for another place to fish or a, a shallow or a better bank or maybe where there wasn't a cold flow coming in. If it was rising a degree or two, we would stay there because we knew the fish would come in to feed. And I've, I'm sure that has some effect, maybe not quite as much at horse tooth. And then after you answer that, how are you rigging the tube jig? Are you just putting it on a jig head or are you rigging it uh, something more weedless? Uh, to answer your first question, yes, absolutely. Water temperature has a lot to do with it. If you if you if you can't get the boat into temp it in in some of the water I'm talking about, because I'm literally talking about water say two feet or less. And there's a bunch of areas of horseshoes with big flat banks that have very shallow water. Uh, South Bay has got it. Every one of the coves has it. Several other areas on the main lake where the banks are very flat and very muddy, which I would say for the most part avoid the rest of the year but not right now because that's the warmest water and it is noticeably warmer again i can't tip it temp it i should say because i can't get the boat in there so even if i could temp it it wouldn't be apples to apples because no two thermometers are exactly the same but i can tell you from putting my big toe in there that it's a bunch warmer when you get 50 feet 
you know, up on a flat bank and particularly if it's calm out. So, and I can tell you also from watching the amount of small fish life that's coming, it's starting to move around the amount of herons, the herons are what clued me in the first place. The herons showed up and were immediately posted up on flat banks. And I started running them and, and catching fish just because the herons showed up. So that's a temperature thing. Uh, and then the other side of it is, uh, how am I rigging the tube? Yes, for me, for here in Horsetooth, um, this mud and gravel is not particularly snaggy. There's no weed cover on it, so I'll rig it with an open hook. But I would not have any problem if I was someplace that had more weed growth to uh, to putting it on a Texas rig with a bullet sinker. I would not peg the bullet sinker. Uh, it'd be like an 8-ounce sinker and uh, maybe a 2 um extra wide gap hook and a 2.5-inch uh, tube is what I'm throwing. I'm throwing little two and a half inch max scent tube. Fantastic tube for this. Lots of flavor and a trout. Love that thing too. And any particular colors of the tube or do you think it doesn't really matter? I'll fish any color you want as long as it's green pumpkin. Um, you know, but <laughs> no, just kidding. I, I, uh, I like any of the natural colors at this time of year, the browns, the greens, uh, cinnamon color, uh, you know, that cinnamon purple flake tube's a good call. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's hard to beat the, the new penny tube. Anything in that range will definitely get you some bites. And uh, it's more about where you throw it. And I'll throw out one more quick thing. These fish that are up on the shallow banks are extremely spooky, and we're fishing for big ones. So you can't make a bunch of noise. You can't, you know, you can't move around a whole bunch. You've got to be sneaky about it, and, uh, and you can catch some of them. But, again, it's not going to be a numbers game. But if you connect, you're going to do well. If you want to catch a bunch of them, stay out on the main lake and fish deep. Last thing, what's the conditions at Horsetooth? Is the water coming up fairly quickly, or is it stable? What are we seeing? Well, it was until two days ago, and they shut the inlet off, and I'm not sure why I didn't get the email on that, but the inlet just turned off. So it's been coming up several inches a day for a while. I was told that it is going to go ahead and top off this year by Memorial Day weekend. It is well behind. If it's going to do that, they're going to have to hustle. And it may be that they just shut it off for the weekend, which is something that they'll do during the summer months so that people's boats don't float away. But I know the inlet did turn off uh, uh, on Friday, and we'll see what if they turn it back on on Monday, we'll know. Uh, the other thing is water temperature is going to be right around 40 to 42, 43 on the main lake. On the outside, 42 degrees. And then when you get up in the backs of the coves, as far as I did go, you can find water that's maybe in the, in the mid-40 range. And then if you get up on the real shallow stuff where you can't get the boat, then I think you're pushing 50-degree water in there. All right, my friend, if people want more information from you, where do they find you? Uh, Fishful Thinker on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, our website, and we do have some openings for guide trips. We finally got that approved. Uh, it took a while this year, but we've got everything done. I've got some openings for guide trips. If guys want to go, they can check us out at fishfulthinker.com. All right, my friend. We will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. You and I have to get out and fish together soon. This is the time of year, and i got a brand-new boat. Let's do it. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Terry. See ya. Um, someone asked, uh, they moved here from Texas, they asked about looking for catfish. We won't have a lot of time to cover this today, but Pueblo is a great catfish lake. North Sterling used to be a great catfish lake. Catfish are stocked throughout the state, uh, channels mainly, but there's some blues and flatheads too. I'll try to get some people on from uh, Parks and Wildlife. We'll see if we can help you out with that over the next couple weeks. We'll take a time out. We'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're 
listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Band. We're going to wrap up this week's edition. We will be talking a lot of fishing over the next few weeks because whether it's fly fishing, conventional fishing, whether it's the mountain lakes opening up to open water, whether it's the rivers getting better or blowing out with runout, conditions are going to change, but there's going to be some great fishing, especially with this warm weather that's coming up. I got to tell you, one of my traditions when the weather gets like this, at the end of every fishing season, I'm terrible. I sort out my tackle at the beginning of the season, and I'm terrible, but when I'm quickly switching a lure, I take the lure that's on the rod and put it back in the tray for the rod, the lure that I'm going to instead of the one it comes out of. So that by the end of the year, I got my tackle is not sorted anymore. So one of the first warm days of spring, like we have coming up, I bring, I don't know, 20 or 30 trays of tackle up under my patio and I bring up several tackle carrying bags and things like that. And I go through everything and I get it all sorted out and ready, which makes me more efficient when I'm fishing, at least the beginning of the year. But the other thing it does is I usually manage to get hooks on our deck and Karen's not, can't go out there barefoot for about a week while we find them all, or she finds them when she is barefoot and I get in trouble. Anyway, that's one of my spring traditions. Is Dan Jacobs there? See, here's how I know you're not a serious fisherman, Terry. Um, because to you, there's an end of fishing season. For the rest of us that take this sport seriously, we fish all the time. There's no end of the season, end of the year. It's 24, it's, you know, all the time, 365 days a year, Terry. Well, if you understood what I was saying, it's a different type of fishing. You know, I'm talking about the conventional fishing from my boat where the boat ramps just opened. I was ice fishing this winter. I fly fish all year round. So I do fish year round. Don't, and then don't I go backtrack. To different don't parts backtrack. It's country. okay. We all like heard it. We all heard it. I fly to Florida several times during the winter and fish there. And that's a whole different set of tackle. Yeah. Now, it's like bar- having... It's like barbecue. Like we barbecue all year round, and but it's like what you know. Like today, for example, though, I, here's what you were really getting at. Uh, I was just giving you a hard time today. I got a couple grills. I got to go home because I got some stuff I got to do for Easter. I'm going to go and clean these grills out and get them you know prepped and ready um, for the next batch of things. And it's the same thing with your tackle box, right, Terry? Yeah, and although I will say on my grills, I maintain them all the time so I don't have to do a major cleanup because I keep them in good shape and clean them so, so I can cook at a moment's notice. Right. Well, like your tackle box that you do once a year, Terry? Is that what you're getting at? Well, that, that's a different situation. <laughs> that, hey, right, exactly. I got, I, I, I got a question for yes, you. Sir. Seriously, um, how much interest do you think there's going to be in the draft this year with the Broncos not picking till the third round? You know, that's funny you mentioned that. I was just saying to myself, Hey, wait a minute, because I'm going to be out of town next weekend. And I said, am I missing the draft? Good. Wait, it's April. When is the draft? Like, that's how interested, I, you know, I've been in it. And uh, so, I mean, I don't even know when the draft is. And I'm a professional sports talk show host. So, that, does that if they give you an idea? We're getting some feedback on here, Dante, from the previous segment that the, the delay is coming through. But, yeah, I, I know when the draft is because I get, my show gets shortened by – like a half hour when that happens, about an hour when that happens. So it's the Saturday will be the 29th. So I assume it starts on the 27th, but I haven't even, you know, I'm a casual, I'm a sports fan. I'm a casual draft fan. If the, if I like to kind of see who's going early, but unless it's the local team, I know we're not going to know the results of these until a year or two or more down the road. 
So I pay attention, but not much attention. Well, so we'll I get, don't know. We'll see how it goes. And we'll get the hate mail. We'll get the hate text like, why are we taking Terry off the air for when the Broncos aren't even picking? Like those texts, I promise you, will come in, Terry. Well, they will. We have a lot of intelligent listeners. You, They do. Yeah, they are. <laughs> All right. Let me wrap this up so you can talk sports. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's wrap it up. Thanks to Dante in the studio. Thanks to Karen here for keeping it straight. Don't forget to follow Wickstrom and Dobrith on our music side. Uh, just t- just search us on social media or your favorite streaming service. Uh, join us here every Saturday. Follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports with Dan Jacobs.